Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Is this thing on? <laughs> Literally, I need to make sure this thing is actually on. Say something. Okay, hi. Okay, hi. Welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It is episode 159 against what seemed for a while like all odds. I mean, we knew we were coming back. We did not intend on this hiatus. No. <laughs> it was almost a lot longer than it even actually was. Yeah. And it's hard to complain too much about, oh, my basement flooded when we live in the Northeast and not in Texas. Yeah, or apparently now uh, Florida and various islands in the Caribbean. Yeah, um, where my folks are trying to figure out if they're going to evacuate. So it's hard to complain too much. It's very easy to complain while it's happening. So... <laughs> Here's here's why we've been dark if you haven't been following us on Facebook, which I would recommend because sometimes we apparently disappear when things <laughs> in our basement just disintegrate. And it's also a great way to contact us if you're concerned about our general well-being. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good way to get right in touch with us. Uh, yeah, we... Uh, Okay, we did our our last uh, episode, and we fully intended to do another episode the following week. We were so prepared. Well, we were as prepared as we could be, because (laughs) the aforementioned folks, i.e. mine, uh, (laughs) came to visit. And I knew they were coming to visit for the weekend from Florida. So the intention was, okay, great, show up late on Friday after we uh, after I get home from my day job, because you were on vacation, Amanda. Yes. Uh, they will, great, stay Saturday into Sunday night, and then go, because I have to go back to my job on Monday, and then we'll do the show uh, as much as we could with quick preparation uh, on Sunday. No, on Sunday we were going to do it, and then we realized, oh shit, they're staying till Monday. That's right. So we're going to have to do live to tape on Monday. So that that's fine. We'll do whatever we, we can, and you're going to notice the same kind of uh, zero preparation that we originally intended then for this episode because there was a certain amount of uh, repair and rebuilding, but I'll get to that. Ah, bullshit. We're putting a lot of love and care into this, and you're going to hear it when we talk about things. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I, I've, I've got one page of a reporter's notebook with like two-word notes <laughs> about two different subjects, which is more preparation than we probably would have gotten uh, a couple, three weeks ago, but I have digressed. I do that. So we were going to do the show, and we... Rob... Rob actually hauled ass and came home for you, gentle listener, yes. because we want to do the best show for you and, and actually have a show. So he came in the door. He grabbed I'm his- sorry. Did, did you say something? I was pounding beer. <laughs> <laughs> best possible show. Anyway, go ahead. Came in the door, grabbed some beers. We came downstairs and Rob is over by the home theater area and I come down into the landing and ask him why I'm standing in an inch of water. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, hard to complain too much, yeah. given a lot of what's going on in the Western Hemisphere right now. But, yeah, we came downstairs to about an inch of water around about half of our basement, which is what contains the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office studio. Yeah, ton, uh, all of this fine radio equipment. <laughs> yes. Uh, the water had reached uh, just to the edge of the table, so we caught things just in time. Because yes. we had been down here the night before and uh, watching... With your parents. Yes, watching the aforementioned home theater. No problem at all. So, yeah, it, we caught it somewhere in that 24 hours. It could have been a lot worse, but it was... Certainly no show at that point. And being a shitty homeowner, like most people who work in the computer arts, <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'll go out and buy a mop. 
Oh, no. no. That's, I had the presence of mind to yell out the door, get a wet vac. Yes. So. <laughs> he, gave me, he gave me the stink eye like I had said, perform brain surgery. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking, I, I know what I'm doing. How bad can this be? And I'm under stress. And we've, we've had other, that's a, it's the worst possible time for this to happen because we've had other home improvements done. Yes. We have, you've heard us complain earlier uh, this year about leaking windows. That finally got resolved last week. So that was going on last weekend along with all the rest of this. So it's not like we haven't been hauling our fucking wallets out. Yeah. <laughs> but this was like just one more thing. Right. So, yeah, wet vac. I don't need a wet vac. And I realize on the way there, oh, why don't I see if they've got a wet vac? And, they, they, and they're 40 bucks. Buy a wet vac if you own a home because <laughs> clearly it has use. Uh, so, yeah, I come down here with this stupid five-gallon wet dry vac. And I'm down here simultaneously talking on the phone with our insurance company because after a certain point, it dawns on me, this shit's still leaking even <laughs> though I've turned it off. I don't know how much water is here. It's gone under the stairway. I, <laughs> I don't think vacuuming is necessarily going to alleviate what we're dealing with here. Yeah, no. It's not like the horror stories, again, of you here, and then the water came from my bedroom door. No, it's not like... <laughs> It's not like a flood of the ages, but it's there's water on shit that I've accumulated in my life, and uh, again, and also more importantly on on shit that the previous homeowner had accumulated and left the fuck behind. Oh yeah, so <laughs> our storage area where the hot water heater, which is leaking, was was just filled with uh, now getting waterlogged drywall and just now rusting out old paint cans and carpet that's abandoned window screens uh, yeah just shit he didn't want and i was skis too, yeah i was too tired to notice <laughs> after moving in that all this shit was here to call him up and say haul out your crap some child's play set yeah <laughs> So, so I'm sitting here with this dumbass wet dry vac for an hour realizing this is not going to cut it. We have to call a serve pro, service master type <laughs> professional. professional people. Right. <laughs> so, so to their credit, they get out the next morning. And if you've never had to deal with something like this, it really is amazing. And they did a fantastic job in the sense that the actual damage to the finished basement really is minimal. There's like one baseboard that we've had to have replaced and paint. We had the paint. Yeah. But otherwise there was no structural damage because they apparently somehow the wet dry vac did enough to make the, the damage stop. Yes. And then they came in here with a dehumidifier that's as big as me. Now I'm down here with a wet dry vac going, Oh, thank God we have our little dehumidifier in the corner. That's going to take care of everything. <laughs> no, it's no. that was decidedly Robin. <laughs> they showed up with fucking Batman, yeah, <laughs> giant and industrial fans. At least nine or twelve of them, like three in the storage area and three in the bathroom, and two or three painting, uh, pointing rather at the studio area, and one at this other baseboard to the point where they had to run cables like extension cords upstairs because every time they would try to turn one on they'd blow every circuit breaker down here. setting off all the house alarms and sending parker the home office mascot scurrying for the low lowest lying surface he could scurry under yeah now when we had the basement refinished when we moved in we had two circuits set up plus the 220 that's down here for the <laughs> air conditioner that's the kind of power they were dealing with so they did a great job in getting all the water up and getting it out of everything so we didn't have a lot of 
overall structural damage to deal with. But yeah, it was six or seven days of don't go near the basement door. It sounds like an airport down there. <laughs> It sounds that like was the, being charitable. It sounds like the bat plane is taking off from our bat cave. <laughs> the Quinjet. <laughs> yeah, and if you touch the wrong, the wrong light switch, the whole place goes dark. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, we had to have um, a plumber come out and do the the hot water heater. And our plumber actually was on vacation because everybody needs to go on vacation sometimes. Oh, that, yeah, that was, that was beautiful. <laughs> we have a great plumber uh, who I'm not going to plug because... Uh, because he's we ours. Have, we have, well, he's yeah. ours and <laughs> most of our listeners are, are not on the outskirts of Boston, so it doesn't yeah. matter. But Frank, you're the man. Yes. But so I, <laughs> I email him, I text him, I leave messages on his mobile and his uh, home and his office phone and to give... Credit to him, he texted me back fairly quickly saying, I'm at the airport, I'm going on vacation, I'm getting on a plane in one hour. It would have been very easy for Frank to say, fuck this moron, Yeah, <laughs> he's on his own. He he sent me a referral to another local plumber who called me. <laughs> I called him, and his, vo- his voice mailbox was full. I'm <laughs> like, oh, fuck. So I... Get another referral, and it's another, oh, I'm on vacation. I'm in New York City now. Like, oh, all right. So the, one of the morals of this is don't have plumbing in, in August. <laughs> plumbing in August is a bad fucking plan. It doesn't help anybody. In the intervening time, our electrician showed up. because oh, it- while all this is going on, yeah. <laughs> Amanda bought ceiling fans like months ago, and we've been trying to get an electrician out. So finally, literally... Earlier in the day, that Monday, is I can come out now. I'm like, great, come on out. And I'm trying to say, oh, yeah, we want the thing here. Excuse me, I got to go mop for a while. Uh, tell me if we can put a fan here. <laughs> and he's like, I know a guy. <laughs> there we go, that guy. He was on vacation. He recommended somebody else. Nobody answered there. So finally, the, the first guy that Frank recommended called back, came right out. But even then, he's like, I've got another job. I can come out day after tomorrow, first thing in the morning. So between... <laughs> between the swamp that we were living over and that was living in my armpits for two days with no hot water. I, yeah, I don't I, recommend that either. <laughs> I, I did uh, take a nice hobo bath in the sink to go to the office for half a day. <laughs> I just stuck my head under the bathroom tap, the, the, the bathtub tap. Yeah, I still don't know how you do that. That's like limbo shit. The fact that your back didn't explode trying to do that, I have no clue. Because it's, it's not a big bathtub. Yeah, I, I don't recommend that. Just saying, don't don't do that if you can avoid it. Yes. If you value your knees, so it was. It's been a very hectic and expensive couple of weeks. The good news is, again, we're extremely fortunate. This could have been a lot worse. Uh, again, the water came right up to the studio. We lost a power strip and like a power supply. Uh, but yeah, we've had to run tests on everything to make sure everything's working. And our so, phones might be like we have we're one of the few people in the world that still have landlines. So we may have to replace those. Uh, yeah. And you know what? I'm OK with that because those landlines I haven't plugged in. Because <laughs> <laughs> a separate issue. Because the one thing we forgot with the electrician out is it's only the one jack down here that works. Right. And we know that because the only time the phone has ever rung has been when? When we're recording the fucking show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's been unplugged for a while. It has. So. <laughs> So yeah, we got off you know, we, and we did get emails and Facebook messages from from you guys and yes, this could have been a lot worse. We could have lost a lot more. Uh 
it, ultimately it's almost like it never happened for yes. the cost of a, a few hundred bucks. Plus we may have to fork out our deductible. Yeah. But uh, those of you that we heard from, please, thank you. Um, we're, we're going to be okay. <laughs> and we're getting the show back in gear for you. Yes. And now that it's all over. Now I can get as loaded as I want, which is pretty damn loaded. All right. The soundboard works. It Good does. news. It does. <laughs> And and I I can add to that because this summer since I've I've had so much free time uh, that I've become essentially indolent, um, <laughs> I've discovered that we, that there are services that will just deliver you alcohol. And now that I'm over twenty one, they don't look at you askance and and wonder where the adult is. <laughs> so you're saying I don't need you at all anymore, <laughs> honey? I'm I'm saying that they will deliver to you whiskey, and they don't even question it. <laughs> Uh, they, I'm an uh, alcoholic. All right, the board does work. Good. News. <laughs> they they brought out a, a twelve pack of Sierra Nevada and realized that one of them was broken. Went back to the store, no questions asked. Brought another one. That was nice, but you know what? They bring Sierra and Sierra Nevada. They can't bring fine Berkshire Brewing <laughs> Company Steel Rail Pale Ale. That's right. <laughs> when, when you're living above a mosquito farm, drink Berkshire Brewing Company. <laughs> Steel Royal Pale Ale. They're never going to endorse you. It's all right. I'll keep trying. I, I could use the money. I could use the, the free beer. The savings in beer would be extremely lucrative at this point. So, yes, that seems to be over. Everything seems to be working. We are still sort of ill-prepared, but... Yeah, we'll be fine. But now that everything is done and everything is out of here and the work that it needs to be done has been done, uh, yeah, we managed to get to the end of Twin Peaks... Uh, <laughs> which I want to talk about. I'm not sure how much Amanda wants to talk we about. We can talk about it. And, <laughs> and, and uh, yes, with all this going on, yeah, I couldn't get any Twin Peaks uh, sound clips or anything like that. So I'm. We will have them eventually, and and they'll be there to drop in at the most inappropriate times. I, I do need Mr. Uh, Jackpots. I do need Dougie going Mr. Jackpots <laughs> and going hello, <laughs> Mr. Jackpots, and I am the FBI. <laughs> First of all, let's cop to this is not a smart uh, show to be doing because I've seen the ratings of Twin Peaks over the last uh, 18 episodes and it's been about uh, half a million people per episode, which <laughs> is nothing. Uh, I think Batman sells almost that much on a month-to-month basis. Uh, I'm. This was Lynch's labor of love and as you tweeted at one point, you got 18 more hours with these characters and... That might have to be enough. Yes, we'll 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 talk about the <laughs> we'll talk about the ending in a minute because God knows when it happened. I screamed about it. <laughs> yeah, because I fell asleep. And we're gonna talk about that too. <laughs> How yeah. does Amanda feel about Twin Peaks? Amanda fell asleep during well, Twin Peaks. <laughs> uh, all right, I've watched every episode, and some of them I watched. Uh, I have watched twice. I uh, watched every episode. Um, at least one of them I had to watch twice because I fell asleep. Right. I mean, <laughs> the finale, which is a good sign for a compelling bringing it home for a landing, I suppose. To be fair, the we've finale been was, for quite a while. Yeah, but the finale, the last hour of the finale was, let's drive in this car, quietly, in, si- in silence. Yes, I'm being redundant. <laughs> we're driving, and now we're driving some more, and we're driving. <laughs> there, there was enough driving in the final episode that... There was so much driving, I was beginning to wonder if Seth MacFarlane had had paced it, like had given him notes. Now do it this much. Now this much more. Right, keep going. No, just a little more. Just a little more. Oh, they're so getting irritated. <laughs> Drive a little more. 
By the time it was done, I felt like I had to get up and stretch and take a piss and have a cigarette. <laughs> there was a lot of driving in the final episode, but... All right. Overall, we have discussed in the past that I was a big fan of the original show. You really didn't follow it at all. I forced you to watch a bunch of the first couple of seasons before Twin Peaks The Return started in May. Most of these you did watch with me. Having watched just some Twin Peaks, how did it work for you overall? And I'll start out with it. It worked really well for me, but again, I spent a lot of time with a lot of these characters, mm-hmm. and once I sort of came to terms with the pacing was ridiculously slow, and it really was ridiculously slow for a lot of episodes. Anybody with a generous toward the <laughs> auteur editing hand yes. could probably have knocked this down to 13 or 14 episodes without excising a single line of dialogue. Yeah. Like you said, long driving scenes and scenes of just looking at something. And a lot of times I I, I think it was, I, I know it was for a purpose and I thought it worked because yes, things would start to become, you'd start to get that Seth MacFarlane family guy absurd laughter in certain places. And in other places it really built tension effectively. In other places it was, are we fucking done yet? Well, yeah, and then in other places it was, no, let's let Trent Reznor cut the album. It was, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, episode eight. We'll, we'll go into a little <laughs> detail on uh, the Catullian Bob origin that I'm not sure anybody wanted, but which is wicked cool to look at. Yeah. Uh, but yes, extremely slow, and things took forever, and we would get involved in characters, and they would just sort of disappear, and we would see things, and it would not appear that they really ever mattered ever again, the box in the first episode, although I think I've come to terms with what that actually was and how it fit into things. I think. There's going to be a lot of stupid Rob's been drinking beer and reading fan reaction on the internet. Going, okay. Okay, it makes as much sense as my, fuck you, Lynch! What do you mean this is all the Audrey I get after 27 <laughs> years? But... But yeah, just spending time with the character, spending time with the characters again was cool. Did I need 15 episodes of Dougie Jones? I probably not. Did anybody need 15 episodes of Dougie Jones? Um, friend of the show Trebuchet pointed out <laughs> that basically after a certain point anybody who interacted with Dougie and their interaction wasn't to like get him to like protective services or like some sort of mental care was negligent. <laughs> Uh, all right, first of all, before we talk about Dougie, um, uh, let's just say uh, we will be spoiling Twin Peaks The Return. A lot. But I'm not sure it matters because spoilers imply that if you know what's happening, you know what's going on, and you probably don't. And that you watched it or are interested in watching it. Yes, and I would recommend it, particularly if you've ever seen that. It's, it's inscrutable and frustrating, uh, but there's a lot of really... Beautiful cinematography. There are some really cool characters. There's some really funny stuff. There's some really excellent horror. And I think there are a lot of comic book elements, which was my argument as to why we talked about Twin Peaks before the return even started. And I got a few in my little scrawled page of notes here in order to justify talking about this show that almost nobody watched. Does Nadine still even have super strength? Uh, I'm not sure Nadine has a will to live at this point. (laughs) Nadine was Big Ed Hurley's wife, uh, who, yes, had super strength uh, in the, in the really, original series. Yeah, in the first and second. 
I mean, that, that's what I, I mean about, yeah, it was weird. You'd see these characters and it'd be kind of inscrutable. We spent about three episodes where occasionally we would see Nadine, who is a huge part of the first two episodes, sort of watching this Alex Jones-ish web show from her. It's what Laura Palmer's shrink did with his life after she died, yeah. apparently. Yeah, he decided to just do an Alex Jones yeah, live streaming YouTube, uh, I will sell you stupid shit. <laughs> and uh yeah that was it it was just her smiling and maybe saying right on yeah <laughs> until finally it was a major plot point in one of the few happy endings she shows up and actually says something to her husband <laughs> which was basically i'm leaving so that you can get together with the actual love of your life yeah <laughs> and that was one of the few nice solid moments of closure that the show actually gave us but that could have been done in fewer episodes than it took. <laughs> it absolutely could. I'll cop to that. I think the original order from Showtime was like eight or 10 or 12 episodes. Okay. And then there was the whole stink for a while a couple of years ago. They had announced, we've made a deal with David Lynch. And then Lynch said, yeah, I'm not going to be involved. And it was solid negotiating because at the end of it, it's like, not only is he involved, he's directing all of them and we've gone up to 18. Yeah. And whether he did that to say, I, I want the money or I have serious vision as to how to make this 18 episodes, your arguments may vary d depending on who you're watching drive for eight minutes <laughs> at a whack. So, <laughs> so I mean, I, yeah, there are certainly parts of it that were visually stunning and there were character beats that were, were great. Like the payoff for Ed and Norma finally, Sure. I, I thought that was very rewarding. And as part of that, Lynch was even able to sneak into Norma's storyline, sort of his own subtle fuck you at people in television in terms of what happens when somebody tries to take creative control of your vision. Sure. Which was nice. All right, it wasn't that subtle. He, he, <laughs> well, the commercialization of these characters was apparent in retrospect from the first scene of the first episode, which was Dr. Jacoby, yeah. the guy who did the Alex Jones style show, out in his trailer in the woods receiving delivery of these shovels, yeah. which was creepy in the moment. Yeah. And then when you learn, oh, he's getting these shovels so that he can spray paint them gold and sell them for $40 <laughs> on his website... It's like, okay, we've taken this and turned it into a way to make money, maybe. Yeah. So that, that commercialization of the art was a theme right from the beginning yes. of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I get all the arguments. But then there's, you know, there's other things that I have questions about. Like, Audrey's storyline was the most perplexing and least satisfying of all of them. It's, here's, here's what I will go. Yes, it absolutely was. To take that long to get back to Audrey, who was one of the key characters in the original series, and spend what amounts to about 15 total minutes of screen time of her arguing with the, uh, some little person looking dude, but who actually is just big and misshapen <laughs> with a weird voice. Yeah. To then get a flash of, oh no, she's in some white room someplace and none of this is really happening. And then spoilers. We, we never find out where she is or what's happening. We just spend some time with her because, all right, you wanted to spend time with her. Here you go. And the, the implication seems to be, and of course, I'm sure Lynch does this on purpose, that she's still in a coma because if you watched um, the 
end of the original series before Firewalk with me, her send off was that she was in a bank doing some sort of social justice thing and and the bank blew up. Yeah, uh, somebody went in there with a bomb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Andrew Packard. No, somebody was trying to kill Andrew Packard or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, yes. So she had chained herself for, for reasons of justice to the vault. Yes, and then uh, Mark Frost, one of the co-creators, is David Lynch and Mark yep. Frost, co-creators of Twin Peaks, uh, he did a hardcover book, uh, which I have, and now I'm reading <laughs> Uh, the Secret History of Twin Peaks. That's apparently where it's revealed that after the end of season two, Audrey was in a coma. So it's reasonable to expect that's the case, but in a show like Twin Peaks, but, uh, oh, you're in a weird-looking room where we don't have any detail. She could be on Mars or in Guam totally. or in Atlantis. But my point being that there's a character running around in the show who's a complete asshole who claims to be You're her really son. You're really going to have to be more specific. <laughs> who claims to be her son. He's such an absolute motherfucker that he beats his grandmother and terrorizes his uh, uncle, who is Audrey's um, intellectually disabled brother. Oh, he's Johnny for, Horn. Yeah, because he's looking for money. And, and he meets Dark Coop or Bob Coop or whatever... Later in the show, <laughs> Mr. C, Mr. C is the the general, <laughs> Darth Coop, uh, and I am your you, <laughs> and he he identifies himself as being Audrey's son, and then later on, when after Coop, Dark Coop, whatever, <laughs> kicks the shit out of him, satisfyingly, satisfyingly, oh yes, kicks the shit out of him, um. It, takes him and uses him as bait in an area which is supposed to suck Dark Coop back into the lodge. Yes. And instead um, does away with the kid instead. And uh, his comment at that point is, thank you, my son. The implication being perhaps, I mean, on the one hand, you can say my son in that sort of like affectionate diminutive kind of way, except the kid's a dick. And <laughs> Or, you know, did Dark Coop go into the hospital, knock up Audrey? Who knows? Um, did did he perhaps grab some of her hair and then go back to the lodge and create some weird doppelganger? Not doppelganger, because there's nobody like that kid, thank Christ. Um, oh, there's, a, there's a term for what those are, and I can't remember. I want to say tuple, but that's not it. Gollum, I don't know. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> close enough. Um, create and then, like, inflict unto the world, because clearly, clearly his family knew who he was in all of his assholery. Oh, yeah, he didn't just uh, come from out of nowhere. Right, so it's not like he just showed up in a basket on on the Horn's doorstep with a, hi, I belong to Audrey, feed me. <laughs> they should name him Seymour <laughs> or something. <laughs> what was the Jeez. name of the plant? Seymour, <laughs> yeah. It? Oh, no. no so-, so there's that going on. You know, how did that child come to be? That's a question. Will that show up in the the lore book that people try to sell after this so that people have some hope of like, all right, maybe this will explain it. Because you said there's another book coming out, right? Uh, there is. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's another similar uh, Mark Frost. It's coming out on Halloween. Okay. I, I've pre-ordered it because I'm a <laughs> sucker for this now. <laughs> I'm sucked right back in. As angry as I am with the finale, we'll get to the finale. Um, but yeah, there's there's another one that hopefully will offer some closure. Insight. That I mean, That's the other thing. Uh, I, I don't want But I mean, your original question, which we've gotten sort of far afield from, was, you know, for me, I think, you know, having sat through 
in in order of how they were released, the original series followed by Firewalk with me, followed by watching this. Right. It it certainly makes the characters in Firewalk with me make more sense. And I do think that Lynch tried to go out of his way as much as he was willing to to expand on why so much weirdness with the idea of the the blue rose cases. Yeah, I mean, do, do you have any examples of how you think it it expanded the fire walk with me? Well, I mean, you got a, a better sense of certain characters that showed up there that you didn't necessarily or spend as much time with or differently. Um, and you're asking me for specifics on something I've seen twice in my life. <laughs> and I know for a fact you were shit-faced for one of them, so... <laughs> But no, I, I, in terms of... Again, this radio station was underwater a couple of days ago. <laughs> in terms of how... It's very easy to, to look at Firewalk With Me and in absence of having done any background reading or, or delving into fan theories, it's, it's very easy to say that Laura Palmer was the product of a broken household that was on the surface holding it together and seemed like the perfect American family. Okay. In which there was some sort of sexual abuse and a complicit mother who was complicit in her silence, but may have also demonstrated some mental health issues that led to Laura's involvement in drug use, cocaine, and subsequent um, involvement in sexual trafficking, which ultimately led to her death. Yes. That on the surface. But then, so in terms of those characters there, and, and certainly we spent enough time with them in the, in the original series, that's not necessarily the characters I'm think, thinking of right away, but again, you're asking me how this plays in. So going into this new series, uh, the time that they spend in sort of the uh, origin of Cthulhu Bob <laughs> and, <laughs> and the time that they spend trying to tie all of this into the the first atomic detonation out in the desert and how that somehow precipitated bringing Bob and or the spirit of Laura into the world and therefore also unleashing dark entities that may have possessed their parents because there are a couple of child characters or young teen characters that are courting that seem to be analogous with Sarah and Leland. Yeah. And I, I can see how that would, would seem new. There was a certain amount of that in the original show. And it may have been because we did not go through every single episode of the first and second seasons before we started watching uh, Twin Peaks The Return. But when it comes to... Uh, see, up to a point, having the origin of Bob be the first Trinity nuclear explosion, that was new information. But that kind of it went back that far and may have been related to military operations was part of the original because they made a big deal out of uh, Major Briggs being part of Project Blue Book, yep. you know, the original UFO uh, uh, investigations. Um, and in and it's not fair because you haven't read The Secret History of <laughs> Twin Peaks, but I'm getting to points where the brother of uh, the mayor... Uh, back in the 80s and 90s when uh, the show was on, the original episodes, was also part of Project Blue Book. So bringing all of those elements 
into the origin of Bob being part of the Trinity explosion. There was a certain amount of that up front, and there was a particular episode, and I don't remember if it was one of the ones that we watched, but where Major Briggs uh, went to Agent Cooper and was going through some of the classified information and showed him an old diary, and he said, I burned my family alive. Dick. I like things He's fucking <laughs> dick. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to jump on this because he'll be like, oh, beware the owls or some shit. Like, no. <laughs> Now nope, fell for it again. I haven't done that in <laughs> in weeks. <laughs> you know, this is this is a, an aural medium, so you all can't see his fucking gleeful face <laughs> over there, like a pig in shit. <laughs> like, oh look what I did! It's like if it's like back in the day when my dad would be like, "Oh look, she's in the shower. Why don't I flush the toilet? This is a good idea." <laughs> oh, oh wait, do we have to? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Not only have I not done it a few weeks, it had been two or three episodes since I've done it. I've been saving that one. <laughs> like a particularly rank fart. <laughs> just, oh, I'm just going to Dutch oven this radio station. <laughs> um, all right, so so let's talk about episode eight. Let's. Uh, which is, <laughs> yes, the Cthulhu origin of Bob that the first time I watched it, uh, you, you were there with me, a man. I was really angry. Mm. I was really pissed. Mm. I felt like you're wasting an entire hour on the origin of Bob, this force that does not need an origin. And I call it the Cthulian origin of Bob. The same way, it doesn't help a Lovecraft story to know, you know, Cthulhu, the high school years. I don't care. It doesn't matter where he came from. Do you want to see where the sausage Cthulhu is made? I don't. <laughs> I don't want to see the Cthulhu sausage, period. <laughs> It bends at a non-Euclidean angle. <laughs> it hurts the mind. It does. And that's not the only organ it hurts. Pow! Oh, Jesus. I had to go there. I suck. Bracing but, myself for Sugar Man next. <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've tortured you enough with that law. <laughs> After a certain point, I'm just yammering, trying to get to the where I can say, and then he said, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. After a certain point. I don't know why you listen to the show, uh, gentle listener. I don't have a clue sometimes. He he does this because he loves you all. And um, yeah. and you, Amanda. Oh, <laughs> but yes, so it would, yeah, an hour long. And I'm like, this. Is, there's no story here. It's just you're showing me visual. And okay, there's this mother figure who throws up and bobs in the vomit. Okay, that's fine. And. The one, the one moment that stood out to me on the initial viewing was the old school convenience store. It's like, okay, upstairs above a convenience store. That's right from the first few episodes of Twin Peaks. This at least ties it to the original. And I tried to hang on to that. But then at the end of it, my initial reaction was That's, that didn't give me any story. And then you try to remember, it's David Lynch. Mm. Sometimes it's just what it looks like. A sausage. And how you... <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and how you how it makes you feel. So I, I watched it again and tried to keep an open mind, and it worked better for me on a second viewing as purely a, okay, you're trying to make this as creepy as possible and just make it feel as filthy and, okay, this came from the worst, most destructive event in human history up until that time, and this evil, therefore, is not necessarily an opponent force to humanity, but is from humanity and our worst instincts made physical or at least metaphysical. Yes. And 
I took more of it from a second viewing. Now, you still have just watched it the one time? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Is what I'm saying make it any better for you? Because I don't think you liked it any better than I did on the first viewing. I, I mean, it is what it is. I This show didn't do a hell of a lot for me. <laughs> this episode or Twin Peaks overall? Twin Peaks overall. I mean, Okay. Which is fair. I get it. You know, I get it. <laughs> there were things that I enjoyed. Um but overall, would I go out of my way to watch it again? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're gonna have a hard day when the Blu-ray comes in. I keep looking to see when the Blu-ray I mean, is I, announced. I will say I am appreciative of all of the various cable forces that put Game of Thrones finale on on a different night. <laughs> because so I could focus. <laughs> despite the historic impact of the original Twin Peaks, only a fucking moron goes up against Game of Thrones. I if they need have a choice. to watch Daenerys and John Bone undistracted. <laughs> For a $10 all-you-can-eat <laughs> testicle fest. Just saying. And that's creepy, but okay. <laughs> At some point, uh, I should get John Keating on the phone. <laughs> we should get ready to do... Yeah, a debrief on, on Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. The, the, those have been fun episodes. But I digress. I would have gotten a Twin Peaks fan <laughs> to do this show, but I'm the only one, I think. <laughs> so w- was there any part of it overall, before we talk about the finale, which, yeah, all right, we'll talk about the finale. <laughs> was there any part of it that, that worked for you at all? I like Janie. <laughs> okay, Dougie's she, wife. Yeah, she... By the way, Dougie Jones, I should, again, half a million people watch this. I should be explaining more instead of just ranting like a fanboy. But uh, Dougie was when Agent Dale Cooper actually came back from the Black Lodge. He was trapped in the body of this Dougie Jones, who is a... Doppelganger. Yeah, and, and a simpleton. I mean, think, if you've seen Being There... Chance the Gardener. He's in this situation and things are happening around him and he's just an innocent and repeats what he's told so people imprint what they want on him as he is completely unable to function on his own. Yeah. And it's it, it becomes frustrating because, yeah, this is Agent Cooper who was competent and a compelling protagonist in the first two seasons of Twin Peaks walking into glass doors <laughs> but just watching the arc of her character after dougie is introduced as she's had to put up with dougie and whatever dougie's issues are and however functional because it seems like historically dougie has been in and out of fugue states so sometimes he's functional sometimes not <laughs> uh, yeah and, and, and when he is functional he does shit like sleep with prostitutes and gamble and just generally not be a great provider <laughs> yeah he's a He's a pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> so she's this long-suffering character, and they've had a child together who's like eight now. <laughs> yeah. And and I did have this thought in my mind, and it turned out not to be, which was good. Like it, it, those of you that um, read Peter David's X Factor, um, when Madrox got um, Siren pregnant, and it turned out that he had just implanted another dupe. That was one of the great fucking single issues of comics. One of the great closings of a single issue of comics of the last 15 years. And I just had this thought. I'm like, it's a doppelganger. What if? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you never know. <laughs> Lynch, you missed a thing. Um, 
but that would have been more tragic for Janie. And any in any event, <laughs> <laughs> in any event, to watch her as she's just like all of the, like mobsters are coming at her for what they want from when when Dougie loses money uh, when he, in his gambling or it, and and she's just not having it. <laughs> yeah, that's. That was staggeringly awesome in terms of its badassery. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just saying you know, that's a ridiculous interest rate. At a bank, you'll get 10%. I will give you 15%, and I will never hear from you again. Do you understand me? <laughs> yeah, she had some stones to her. And notice that's one of the few characters that Lynch at least apparently gave closure to. Yes. Gave her what she wanted. And and that's, but that's, that's one of the things I found satisfying. In terms of the show, like her arc started off with a bang and closed satisfying. So that was good for me. Okay, and that's fair. Because, yes, that was, that had a beginning, middle, and an end. Yes. And very little in Twin Peaks did. One thing I did notice is, except for Janie E. and Sonny Jim, most of the new characters we found were bafflingly expendable. And irritating. Yeah, almost like Lynch <laughs> was saying... I, my initial instinct was, yeah, you have characters like, uh, was it uh, Johnny Horn? Mm-hmm. Not Johnny, uh, shit. Jerry? Ben? No, the kid. Who, oh, the kid. Um, dickhead? Yeah, horn. Dick, Dickhead <laughs> Horn. You, you know, Dickhead. With the cheekbones. Cheekbones Horn. Who <laughs> <laughs> He shows up and is a violent, irredeemable character and looks like he's going to be a major driving force of the story, and then he's sacrificed. Yeah. And then you've got... Uh, Amanda Seafried, who plays Shelley's daughter uh, with her husband, uh, who hooks up with uh, Gersten Haywood, uh, Alicia Witt. Yep. Uh, and they have this grand story, and one of them kills themselves, and we never see uh, Shelley's daughter again. Yeah, or do, th- nor do we see Gersten Hayward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just sort of disappear. And, and my initial thought was, wow, Lynch is saying, you know, yeah, that we'll... we'll just follow the originals. Well, I'll throw this stuff in, but I know you don't care. One wonders if he's making a comment on millennials. <laughs> well, no, the more I thought about it, it was, this is still Twin Peaks, and there still are no happy endings. It yeah. still looks like the America of Norman Rockwell, but it is still rotten to the core. Yeah. And yeah, the, these people are making exactly the same mistakes as their parents, but we don't need to spend as much time with them because we spent two seasons with their parents and their elders, and you saw what happened. Yeah. So Well, it did seem to a certain degree as though the whole thing with um, Shelley's daughter, that whole story arc, is Shelley made poor choices in her life. She seems to continue to be making poor choices. The daughter is sort of living the sins of the mother. And yeah, that kind of repetition that you would see, not necessarily in Sins of the Direct Mother, but you would see other characters make. Yeah. What's his name? Horn. Christ, why can't I remember? Richard. Richard Horn. Okay. Uh, as uh, sort of a Leo Johnson type of irredeemable uh You were close with dickheads, see? And, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but... Uh, it, yeah, it's a, we don't need to see what end he comes to. We know it's not good. So yeah. fine, here's the not good end. It's a, You haven't seen Leo Johnson, but you're wondering what happened. This is what happened. Somebody just used him and got rid of him. Right. Yeah, it's, oh, these other characters who were heavily into drugs, and uh, fine, it's uh, 
what's it? Shelley's daughter's husband. Yes. You know, winds up alone having made terrible mistakes and making yet another bad decision. So it's, it's almost like, it's like, fine, you want to see how these things end? And, and I really started to get the, the more I think about it, maybe that's you know, fine. You wanted closure. Look at these younger ones. The ones you don't see, this is what happened to them. Yeah. And, and we can expect the pattern to continue. Yeah. But meanwhile, no. I, I think the point that you also made in, in Twitter was that Lynch really never intended to say who killed Laura Palmer. It was the, the networks pressured him as they were wrapping up for the finale to, to come up with a killer. Yes. So to create an ending, spoilers, wherein essentially reality resets itself and did Laura Palmer even exist in the world? <laughs> yeah, all right, so... So yeah, let, let's move to the the finale. Because this is where I have some of my larger frustrations. They go out of their way to try to set up so much of all of this mystical bullshit, which, you know, fine, I'm down with mystical bullshit. <laughs> but, you know, we we see Sarah Palmer as infected by some psychic parasite that apparently is powerful enough that she can take out a grown man by ripping out her his jugular. And is stuck in some sort of weird time loop within her own house at times. See, I think that Sarah is possessed by Judy. Okay. And <clears throat> that's not an original thing. I forget where I said Like I said, I've been drinking beer over the long American Labor Day weekend and reading Twin Peaks fan reactions. And it's that's a theory that that makes sense. And to that me. would make that, but that ties back to the the bug that crawled into the sensitive young girl who may or may not have been Sarah Palmer. Right, in so the Bob episode, may have been there right from the beginning. So to to give background, and it, there is this concept that there is. If you've seen Fire Walk with Me, there's a point where David Bowie, uh, playing Agent Philip Jeffries, says, "I'm not talking about Judy." And we all thought it was David Lynch being all right. That's cute. He's being David Lynch. Yeah. And literally in the second to last episode of Twin Peaks: The Return, uh, David Lynch himself, playing Agent Gordon Cole, says. Uh, there has been an investigation that I worked on with Agent Cooper and with Major Briggs where we determined there is this force of darkness or negativity called uh, Judah or something. Yeah. And, and we have just started calling it Judy. Right. But this gets back to, you know, the Trinity bomb. All right. So you have a Trinity of things that have been unleashed onto the world. And so you've got Bob who may be in Leland. You've got Judy who may be in Sarah. And you've got the spirit of Laura Palmer who is in Laura Palmer. It's like hope buried at the bottom of Pandora's box with all this shit happening to her. So what, again, looked like a simple domestic burial of awful shit happening in your house with sexual abuse and drug use and mental illness is in fact because of these tortured souls that were unleashed through the bombing. Yes. But again, now mom isn't complicit and silent. She is active in this because she's possessed by Judy. And even that could be part of what Lynch is saying about that kind of horrible abuse. It's, I think there were parts of the first couple of seasons of Twin Peaks where Lynch and Frost and whoever was writing and directing at the time gave Leland kind of a pass. Yeah. Like, oh, no, he was under control of this thing. He never would have done it. But I think particularly in Fire Walk With Me, it's it's clear that, no, I allowed this into into me. I allowed this force into me. And while it's all wrapped up in 
the supernatural and forces like Bob and Judy. I love how Lynch is a, this is the ultimate evil and his name is Bob. Yeah. Or her name is Judy. But it's Sometimes we play, play bridge with them. <laughs> but even then it's the ultimate evil that is ultimately not uncommon. It's it's Bob. Who's the most evil person in the world? It's Bob. <laughs> Judy. And that makes a statement. And yes, these people allowed this force into themselves. And if somebody in a situation where, let's take Bob out of it. If a father is abusing his daughter that way and the wife is aware of it in any way, that's not silently complicit. That's evil in its own way. Yes. So there could very much be a statement here about that kind of abuse in that this is ultimate, almost unbelievable evil to the rest of us. But it ultimately doesn't matter. It's whether it came from outside or inside. Yeah. <laughs> it, it destroyed this girl, and there's no way to make that not happen. Right. Other than, and this makes sense in terms of Sarah slash Judy's ending, stuck in that time loop, once somehow Sarah, Laura rather, is ripped out of the timeline. There's a whole like weird Orpheus through the forest darkly with agent Cooper leading Sarah Palmer spoilers by the hand to save her from her fate where she is suddenly ripped out of the timeline. And in that moment, Sarah slash Judy starts to go nuts in the house and grabs the picture of Laura Palmer and starts to smash it as if to indicate how dare you get away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's how that whole ending plays out of it. And I think it's, it's part one of the possible fallacies of trying to watch this as a comic book fan and with comic book elements in it and try to force it into comic book style continuity. Cause there are certainly comic book elements in this. There's yeah. ultimate alternate dimensions and evil from the cosmos. We've got a guy <laughs> who is given superpowers. He literally has a green Hulk fist. Yeah. And has and is told you, you have, have a destiny. A, you have a destiny. <laughs> and l- the end of Bob, the ultimate evil in Twin Peaks, supposedly possibly one of the ultimate evils in humanity until Judy and we move to the end of this is literally defeated by a man with a Hulk fist punching it to death. There is no more comic book Ending the drunk guy at the pub wearing a cleaning glove. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he didn't ask for it, but god damn it, with great power comes great responsibility. And the glove and the giant told him to move to Washington from <laughs> Leeds or wherever the fuck. Yeah, all right, I'm gonna get on a plane, I'm gonna punch evil to death. It's there are real comic book elements in this, you know. Yeah, Audrey as missing someplace might be alive, might be dead, living her. It's Red Robin's doing that in DC Rebirth right now. Schrodinger's Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So there are comic book elements to this, but trying to force comic book, oh, this is continuity that makes sense into David Lynch may be a fallacy. And it's because I'm seeing a lot of theories online of people saying, you know, oh, what must have happened was when Cooper goes in, goes through the, uh, uh, the door in the great Northern and goes back in time in order to grab Laura and take her away from Leo Johnson. 
uh, it creates a completely alternate universe. And, and maybe that's the case. Maybe Lynch is thinking, all right, we'll do big comic book slash, uh, what's his name? Shane Carruth, who did Primer. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not inconceivable because it, once you change one element, no matter how tiny, like, okay, I took you out of the path of this. Now you've created a, a branch, a splinter. And it's not just that your world, it may be that <clears throat> somehow things kind of continue on and they, and they do in that world. We see the next morning, um, you know, Josie is putting on her makeup and dude that goes fishing, goes fishing. Pete Martell. Thank you. But there's no body wrapped in a tarp. Yes, there's there's very much an implication that the first two seasons of Twin Peaks never happened. Yeah, that timeline goes on as it does. But now that you've caused this change, you, you've splintered. But from a thematic standpoint, I don't think it matters. And I think, I think a lot of people, myself included, I would love to force logic onto this. But it could be as simple as Lynch saying, even the person with the most knowledge and ability to try to get somebody out of this terrible situation, it doesn't matter. You know, you saved her from being murdered. The whole who killed Laura Palmer doesn't matter anymore. Let's say Cooper was able to somehow get there in time and get her away from Leo Johnson. It doesn't matter because this horrible abuse happened to her anyway. Yeah. And where did... Cheryl Lee slash, oh Christ, what was the name of the character? Something. Carrie Page, the, yeah. the new one. Yeah. Where did she end up? I mean. Odessa, yeah. Texas. Yeah. But the, the point is, yeah, she wasn't. <laughs> Save the Laura Palmer. Save the, no. <laughs> oh God, yeah. It's, you realize that before I yeah. do. It's, yeah, drop Laura Palmer into Odessa, Texas. Save the cheerleader. Save the world. Yeah. <laughs> David Lynch watches the same garbage that we do. <laughs> But no, my, my point is, okay, you save her from this one individual incident where she's murdered. And yeah. She's she, still apparently a shit magnet because it seems like when this new Cooper shows up, she's been missing work for three days. Nobody knows where the hell she is. And it turns out that there's an abusive boyfriend that it, it, at first you're like, oh, she has to get away from him. That's what she's implying. And then Cooper gets in the house and says, no, he's dead on the couch. <laughs> it's never addressed what happened to him. It's never mentioned again through the rest of the episode. But but the point is, all right, you save her from this horrible fate, but you don't save her from every horrible fate. This yeah. terrible shit happened to Laura Palmer. And there's no one doing it. Yeah. If you could somehow go back in time and save her from this, she's not going to have 2.3 kids and a happy life. She's not going to you know, be the Duchess of York. No. It's, she's it, going to start working full-time at One-Eyed Jacks. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter after a certain point. You, you, can't, you can save her from death, but you can't save her from what happened to her. Right. And I, I'm wondering if that was the whole point, because God knows there was no closure in this. No. He hinted at closure. Send him back, walk Laura out of the woods, but it's it's not enough. He can't get her out of the woods, and whether whether there's another season or not, and I don't think there will be at half a million people watching, right? unless it sells four billion Blu-rays, but even then, yeah, how was season two of Firefly? I think we're probably <laughs> done with Twin Peaks, whether we liked it or not. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's as I think it comes down to as simple as you want a closure, but this is a story about abuse, and this is a story about secrets in an all-American town. And when the shit happens to you, yeah, you might escape one fate, but you're not going to escape all of them. 
And it doesn't matter who comes to rescue you, how forthright they are. If, if your town and your family allowed this to happen, there's no happy ending. Right. There just isn't. And that's kind of what I took from it. Yeah. And no, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Like, I, as we're discussing it, it, certainly there's stuff here to appreciate. I, I think that the unfortunate thing that turns me off to it was just the overall choice of pacing. Because, yeah, there's stuff there if you're looking for it. But if you aren't willing to do what it takes to keep the newer viewers, anyway, it, for me, engaged. <laughs> and, and I can understand that. This is not a show for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> And look, even with David Lynch, I wouldn't call myself a David Lynch fan. I said the last time we talked about this show, uh, I love Twin Peaks. Uh, I I got halfway through Inland Empire, and I'm like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. I mean, I looked at this whole thing, and I was, it just took 18 hours. And I wanted to be, I want to take David Lynch aside and be like, I'm sorry you didn't get to to do Dune for as long as you actually wanted to, <laughs> but that's gone now. <laughs> I, I love the Dune novels. They stopped him at the right time. <laughs> no, but my point is that even with that first movie, you could see a certain level of frustration that he couldn't tell the story the way he wanted to because it had to be movie length. Oh, yeah. It's the the whole, uh, what is it, Alan Smithy cut that yeah. you see on the sci-fi <laughs> channel. It's like four hours and change every yeah. now and again. It, yeah, I get it. At some point, I'll watch that and probably won't like it any better. Yeah. But at, as a fan, it's... It's weird. I feel like he walked a certain line. We did get a certain amount of closure. Not necessarily the closure that we wanted. It's certainly not the high-profile closure. It's like we got a happy ending for Ed and Norma. Yes. Uh, We got a reasonably happy ending for Bobby and for for Andy and Lucy. Yes. Uh, we, We did get Agent Cooper back. Although, briefly, yeah, my God, in episode 16, where he said, I am the FBI, I screamed at the damn television. Yeah, that was if you were screaming at the television angrily because of the finale, you were screaming at it on the other end so happily the moment Cooper was actually back and was like, I am the FBI. (laughs) Yeah, it's for the 15 minutes of Audrey we got, we only got about 25 minutes of real Cooper. Yes. And then he started going through uh, various dimensional portals or whatever and started becoming really other people yes yeah i don't think you know they changed the name there's richard and linda yes and there was very much an obvious and it's amazing to me how many people i I see online because i did watch the finale twice and i forced you to watch it twice too amanda i'm sorry but when cooper and diane go into the uh, motel i think there it definitely happens at two different times yes and is meant to be yeah okay two different People, because yeah, the motel they go into is not the same one they come out of. Yeah, they go in in an older car, and it's one story. And they go into it's one, yeah, it's one story, and they're in the room on the left. And when he comes out, there's a new car, new names for everybody. It's a two story hotel. Everything seems to be much more modern. So I wonder if there's not a certain amount of okay, we're gonna. (laughs) Well, it's 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 that sign. Okay, now we're in this new reality because this is the reality in which Carrie Page and not Laura Palmer live. Yeah. And also, as you noted, um, Agent Cooper has seemingly different behavioral characteristics. So if he is, in fact, not quite aware of the fact that he is Richard now because he still calls himself Agent Cooper, this is somebody who is is 
sterner and more measured. It doesn't have that like joie de vivre about I'm in the FBI. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I did read an interview today with Kyle McLaughlin, who, who plays Agent Cooper. And he said, yeah, I was directed to play Cooper, but harder. Mm. Uh, now, he was not directed to play him as a different person, but uh, that was his characterization direction. And I really think it could just be as simple as if you take the concept of, let's say the white knight from the FBI was somehow able to save Laura Palmer from being murdered, you go 25 years into the future from that, you didn't save Laura Palmer. And you know what? You're probably not the white knight anymore because you probably realized that along with however other whatever partial yeah. victories at best or failures you have had, you won't be that same person yeah. anymore. And that was a theme throughout Twin Peaks. Nobody we saw was the same person anymore. In fact, by the end of it, Lucy even understood cell phones. Which is a goddamn triumph. <laughs> that's her superpower <laughs> that story is, right that's there. <laughs> that's what she's come to, to yeah. understand. If anybody was the same, it was Andy and Lucy. And even then, Andy had moments of competence you know, coming back from... Uh, <laughs> yes. From bringing back... Uh, I don't want to... <laughs> NATO, who actually turns out to be... Diane, not doppelganger Diane. Yeah. It's, <laughs> all right, look, if you've been uh, patiently waiting for the uh, the return of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show, the same way I was looking forward to the return of Twin Peaks, uh, just put this one on the back burner and go get the showtime because, yeah, what we're saying makes no fucking sense to you at all. And thanks for hanging in with us as we go through it. But this is, you know, I think it is worth discussing because... Lynch did put so much time and effort into creating 18 hours worth of, of return. Yeah. And it's an interesting way of looking even at serialized storytelling, you know, with comics. Yeah. It's everybody ages in Marvel time. Yeah. Yeah. But in the real world, if you try to do that kind of serialized storytelling, yeah, eventually people get older. There are a few happy endings, but there aren't very many of them. Right. And new people come to have their stories told, and they're remarkably similar to the old stories. And yeah, <laughs> man, if I could go back in time and just change this one thing, all right. But you know what? You haven't moved all that far. Right. So, like, and okay, so you, you fixed that particular problem, but you ultimately didn't win the war. Yeah. And again, for anybody expecting a nice bow, and that includes me, I was screaming at the television after about 12 beers. <laughs> Like, I woke a man up like, you son of a bitch, Lynch, I'll fucking kill you. It's okay, because then I was awake for the strain. <laughs> yeah, that's when I passed. <laughs> fuck about that show. But, but it's, it's foolish to expect everything to be wrapped up. But wrapped up in a narratively satisfying way. But really, the more I think about it, and it's, this has really been, again, this is why I love doing this show, because you can just talk through this stuff. Uh, yeah, I really think the point was it doesn't matter. You can't save Laura Palmer. This happened to her. Yeah. Whether it was because of supernatural origins or just plain old human scummery, terrible things happened to her. And if you could save her from being killed in 1989, you didn't save her. And frankly, if you're the hero, you've seen as much terrible shit as it's gone along and you're not the same either. Yeah. You can't touch that kind of evil and walk away from it. Yeah, it stains everything, including the White Knight. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> and forcing somebody to face it 
if they've put it behind them, is not necessarily the best thing. That final Laura Palmer scream. Yeah, and that's that's what I think is implied is you know even if she is really Laura Palmer and has put all of this behind her in this new timeline, or maybe it's the same timeline. We don't really know for sure, but maybe. Right. She goes out of her way, giving such strenuous denials of who she is, but then there's the possible glimmer that she is Laura Palmer and remembers in the moment staring at this house because they bring her back to the childhood home. Well, there was, we watched it with closed captioning the second time, and there was a a closed caption of, of Sarah Palmer slowly saying Laura from behind the door of the house. Yeah. Because that's just it. We don't know. The interesting point of trivia that Rob pointed out to me as we were watching the finale is that the woman who actually owns the Palmer home played the homeowner who came to the door. Yeah, she actually bought that house (laughs) about three or four years ago. And, (laughs) And Cooper questions her about, you know, do you, do you own this home or do you rent it? How long have you owned it? Who owned it before you? And she doesn't know the answers to a lot of these questions. And you see her talking with someone who you can't really hear who's murmuring off screen. When earlier in the series, we heard noises from off screen when Hawk came to talk to Sarah Palmer. Right. And Sarah just sort of walked it off. There's maybe the concept of there's just evil in the house. Yes. So there's, again, the whole idea of what comes to the door that's society, societally acceptable and what happens behind closed doors. And so if the evil of Judy is what is behind closed doors, then, then it is the same world, and Cooper has done this awful thing by making her face her past. <laughs> yeah, it's, look, as... Because, as... because it's that much worse insofar as the the specter of Leland is why he's doing it because when he goes back to the lodge and all is said and done and somehow Laura is saved seemingly because she's been ripped out of this timeline. He's like, you have to save Laura. Like now I want to take somebody like with what therapy? Like (laughs) Prozac. I don't think it will work. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) what has been gained here? Nobody has been saved. Yeah. As as much of, Obviously, we do a comics podcast as much of a fan of serialized storytelling as I am, and as much as every instinct in my body is, no, you need to tell me what's happening. What, 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 I don't think it really matters. And the more I think about it, the more, and maybe I'm deluding myself because I want to love Twin Peaks, but the more I think about it as we've had this discussion, the more I think, no, I think the ending's fine. It doesn't matter. You can't save Laura Palmer. Yeah. You can't. these things happen to her and whether it's supernatural powers, whether you're Batman, whether you're Sherlock Holmes doesn't, you can't save her. And there's no justice for what happened. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter. It was, it was a singularity. It was a fixed point in time. And once you pass the fixed point in time of her abuse, you can't save her. Yeah. And, now, now that we've had this discussion, I'm more satisfied with the ending than I have been having watched it twice over the last two days. I'm okay. actually, okay, that was that was not a bad ending, and there was more actual closure there than I thought. Now, whether I'm bringing that to it because 
I need it to have a meaning because it's Twin Peaks and 27 years and all I had for 27 years was how's Annie and, and now you're giving me what year is this? It doesn't matter what year it is. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. always happening. <laughs> yeah, and I, so I think actually in a way it's probably good if Lynch closes the story there. Not necessarily because I wasn't as engaged in it as as others were, but having discussed it, it sounds like it's a, it's a closed circuit. There, there's nothing more to be gained because at this point, Laura has been pulled away from the, the night of her murder, but what more is there to explore other than the pattern of abuse and awfulness can continue unabated? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, I'm, I don't want to say I'm fine with the ending, but it's David Lynch. He was never going to say, and then they lived happily ever after. Or even, and then they all went to hell. Yeah. So, all right, I'm all right with it now. <laughs> so all of you who've been missing this show for a few weeks and don't have showtime and don't give a fuck about Twin Peaks, thanks for hanging in for our hour and uh, eight-ish minutes of therapy. <laughs> I feel better about it now. You want to talk about an actual comic book? Let's talk about an actual comic book. Uh, another another ending that I don't like. Secret Empire 10. <laughs> And they all lived happily ever after, <laughs> thanks to this, the Cosmic Cube. Thanks, Kobik. <laughs> we were going to spoil this. Yeah, I already did. We are. Nick Spencer, art by, uh, oh, everybody. Steve <laughs> McNiven, Rod Rice, David Marquez, Paco Medina, uh, Juan uh, v- Velasco. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Jesus, uh, I, I, I can't even. Abertom. What kind of parents Abertom. would name their kid that? And Ron Lim. Uh, otherwise, uh, a bunch of A-list people and the other people they brought in to make sure that it shipped on time so people didn't hate Marvel more. That would never happen. All right. Uh, so we got through it. Thank you. Good night. This has been episode <laughs> 159. <laughs> no, all right. Again, this ending illustrates where Spencer can be clever and use humor. However, it also illustrates with alacrity. Is that the word I want? I don't know. Uh, Sure. Uh, It illustrates with with clarity um, that this story didn't need to be told because ultimately at the end of it, everything got put back together again by magic. It's, It's exactly what you called. I think you were the first person I heard actually call it. And mm-hmm. I should have been smarter about it, but yeah, it's a, you got a story with the Cosmic Cube. The Cosmic Cube is going to be the Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, that's going to put everything the way it was. Now there was a clever bit in there. I again, and I will also take credit for I was the one who called it in terms of the flashback of what we thought of as good Steve Rogers with um, various things about him, uh, characters and and others that we knew. Yes, was a fragment of the Cosmic Cube. That is true. Uh, I think that's far less satisfying than it would have been to find out that this was actually the captain from the Ultimate Universe, yes. which is a theory that I found online, which gave me something to latch on to because that captain was always kind of a dildo. Yeah. So. Yeah, he was. Um, so what I did like, but again, look at with my, my eye of, of cynicism, is Ant-Man is our secret hero who kind of saves the day here. Because when Sam Wilson seemingly offers the final shard of the Cosmic Cube to Hydra Steve Rogers, who I might point out, green is not your color, Steve. <laughs> so if you, if, you learn, <laughs> if you learn nothing from this experience, stick with the red, white, and blue. <laughs>
in any event. Um, yeah, you're you're a spring, Steve. <laughs> Don't be an autumn, for Christ's sake. Why are you dressing like a summer? Stop that. Stop that. In any event, uh, the fact that it, he then, you know, oh, he puts it inside. He somehow has gorked what looks like the Iron Man armor that somebody built for him. Uh, that's yes. now powered by the Cosmic Cube. Yeah, powered by the Arc Cube or something. Yep. <laughs> if you got the Cosmic Cube, why are you fucking around with armor? Just go out there with a bandana raptor on your wang and go, you die, you die, you die, you die. <laughs> now, free beer for everybody. Death for everyone. Uh, so... What you think is, oh God, he's he's got the whole cube back together. Everything is hopeless. No, Ant Man's in there. Yoink! <laughs> he shrinks everything down. Ha ha! And then but, Bucky comes through a portal. Uh, yeah, but even that doesn't make sense because wasn't it Ant Man shrunk Bucky yeah. to be small enough to get into the cube to talk to Kobik? Because yes, all- and then and then once everything was out, the the Ant Man and gave. Bucky the ability with Pym Particles to embiggen the Cosmic Cube when he had finished having a discussion with the eight-year-old consciousness of Kobik. Yeah, but even that, I'm not... It doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. You've got the book in front of you. I don't, but... So Sam gives the final... Sam Wilson, uh, the other Captain America, finally gives the other piece of the Cosmic Cube to Steve Rogers. He recreates the cube. He uses the power to actually recreate the world in his own image. In the meantime, Sam Wilson is shrinking. Uh, not is, No, uh, Bucky is shrinking smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller to go into the Cosmic Cube to talk to Kobik. Yes. And that's what makes Kobik come back. Well, because there's a sequence here where Kobik is hiding under a metaphysical table. It's not a real table. Sure. And doesn't want to come out and fight because she feels like everything's messed up. It's gone too far. She can't fix it. And and the consciousness of, of other uh, ghost of real Steve is saying, no, we'll stand, we'll fight, we'll stand, we'll fight. And meanwhile, you start to hear in the distance Bucky's voice, Steve. And, and Kobik's like, oh, is that what I think it is? And that's what gives her hope. Because she realizes she did wrong, and, and and she knows if her pal Bucky is there, which she can put it right, which is a great emotional moment. However, and maybe I'm showing myself as just not as big a fan of old Kirby Cosmic Cube stories as other people. Maybe I'm showing I've spent my time and the, over the last few weeks just crawled up my own ass thinking about Twin Peaks. but And avoiding puddles. Sure, and avoiding puddles, <laughs> although I didn't do that very effectively. But what the fuck does shrinking have to do with the Cosmic Cube? Why the fuck is shrinking into the Cosmic Cube get to fucking Kobik? No. Once Kobik is whole, why doesn't Bucky just say, Yo, Kobik! I don't get that. I, it doesn't because, make any sense to me. Because Steve has to have this moment of doubt because he thinks it's his triumph. Oh, Hydra Steve. It's his triumph. I've got all of the pieces. And then, no, you don't. <laughs> and and so there's that moment of, wait, I'm depowered. What's going on? And that gives Kobik the opportunity to put real Steve back out on the board. Which is fine, except the idea of shrinking into the cosmic cube is because not a thing Ant-Man's I recall. Because Ant-Man's movie is coming out. <laughs> because- There's my eye of cynicism. So I, I brought it up. I'm like, so this is the thing that made me go, because ah, as much as I thought it was, it was a neat trick, and I'm like, and he's got a movie coming out. Well, and Nick Spencer writes Ant-Man and writes a great Ant-Man. I love his Ant-Man story, but this is just like, all right, and here's how I get Ant-Man into the final story because 
<laughs> there were parts of this that just felt like it's like, oh, Christ, if I could just get to page 24 or page 30, I can wash my hands of this shit and go back to the fix. People the f- will stop yelling at yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a moment we saw, what, Steve Lieber at Boston Comic Con, and I just had, because he writes the fix, he draws the fix for... I think so, yeah. For, for Nick Spencer, and I, want, I wondered, and I didn't do it because I'm not an asshole, how many people have come by, you got to talk to your boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, it's the the shrinking thing didn't make any goddamn sense to me at all. And any more than if you have the cosmic cube, if your greatest thought is I'm gonna do what Iron Man did, you know, <laughs> with like an electromagnet back in nineteen sixty three, you're not thinking shit through. <laughs> it's you're not it's <laughs> We need to make this a fist fight somehow. Yes. Where if, it's like if you bring a nuke to a fist fight, how do we make it a fist fight? And then I mean, in theory, yes. Once Kobik was put together, if she had wanted to, she could have just been like Nope. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> and then having regular Captain America fight uh Nazi Captain America. Okay. That was a legitimately emotionally affecting moment of having the real Steve Rogers face down this perversion of himself. But at the same time everybody hanging back saying, "Oh no, that they need to fight it out themselves." Are you shitting me? You live in Hydra world. Help out Captain America. Stand up and go help him. Go kick the other guy's ass. Again, one could make the the analogy to the town of Twin Peaks if you know what's happening. <laughs> Don't let the abuse happen. Wow, look at that Iron Man, Iron Man armor. What's powering it? Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. Then why would you put in an armor? <laughs> And the worst part about it is, okay, we have Kobik, who is a child who was easily misled into, oh no, Hydra is the thing to do. And then when Kobik finally gets control of everything, oh no, Kobik has the wisdom to make our history back, but leave all the wreckage so that we never forget. Yeah, the wisest six-year-old spastic who made America Nazi that ever fucking lived. It doesn't fucking work. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's... But but you get Steve Lieber, come get your boy. <laughs> right, that is a possible <laughs> title. <laughs> it's there were some really affecting moments in this, but it's it's like Rocky Four. It's affecting as long as you don't stop and think. That <laughs> well, how do we get here? Uh, I don't know. He was dragging lumber in Siberia. What? That doesn't <laughs> doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Okay, Captain America. So does this mean Captain America's been dead for dead since Secret Wars? I don't know. All I know is that Black Widow is still dead. And I guess or maybe somebody got a little too mouthy asking for their own movie. It's, uh, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> but it, seriously, it's been this Nazi version of Steve Rogers since Secret Wars, right? So has he been dead since Secret Wars? Has he been resurrected? Is this a new cloned uh, from Dale Cooper pulled you out of the woods version of Steve Rogers because he's got his old school chain mail or plate mail costume rather presumably uh, so all right so this is a brand new Captain America maybe who is still totally willing to do oh yes no that Sam this is your shield even though presumably he never actually gave it to Sam it was the other one it's, it's just this the so much here just doesn't fit together and it's so rewarding after a long Twin Peaks conversation to bitch about continuity because it's supposed to work. <laughs> First, there's no continuity in Twin Peaks. Now there's... 
Well, all right. I suppose if you want to take the step back that I took with saving Laura Palmer is, uh, yes, always fight fascists. <clears throat> yes. That's a good message no matter what's going on. And, yes, be good to your neighbors because that comes out at the very end. All the yes. people who, you know, that inhuman who throws up action Barf. figures and yes. that's his power <laughs> gets to go home and people help him yes. with his house that presumably they also vandalized when, you know, they were... When, Hydra. When, yeah, when they were Vichy, when they were collaborators, when they should be in the in the dock at the hog, but instead, oh no, we we found some paint, so I guess we can. I don't have to lose my job now, even though I screamed, you know, "Filthy subhuman!" and put you in a concentration camp. I I painted your front door. Hope it's not on YouTube. <laughs> Did Kobik fix that? <laughs> I mean, there were moments in this where, as you're reading it, it's like, Why did wow, I lose that... my job as the assistant manager at the hot dog shop? Hmm. <laughs> I just wanted to go hang out with my friends and talk about our feelings <laughs> towards Inhumans. Oh, God. And then... <laughs> so, yeah, there were, there were moments in this where it's like, wow, this is really emotional writing. Just don't stop and think. Just plow right through it. Just treat it like, treat it like the Rocky Horror Picture Show or The Room. Where, fine, absorb the experience, but don't think. Just don't think about it and get to the end and realize, okay, I, I got to the end. It, it's okay. And now Nick Spencer can go back to, to writing, you know, fun, funny books. Yes. And uh, we can get Marvel Legacy or, or uh, I'm sorry, Marvel Rebirth. I'm, I can't Generations. I think it's called Generations now. Or Oh, God, I've read like two or three Generations there. I have not read a good one yet. It's uh, generations literally feels like Marvel's uh, convergence. Okay, let's bring some old elements back in with a new. That'll shut you up for a while, won't it? <laughs> That's great. That's great. When you take your story beats from Ron fucking White. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to go straight to, to Legacy. I have hope for Legacy because that's Jason Aaron. I legitimately like Jason Aaron as a writer. Yes. If there is a member of the old Marvel Architects who can dig something out of this cesspool, it's it's Jason Aaron. But yeah, it it really feels like Marvel, it, just like they did with all new, all different coming out of the new Fifty Two, yeah. and dove down that same terrible rabbit hole of let's write shitty comics <laughs> for everybody. Is saying, all right, DC seems to be getting out. What can we do? <sighs> so. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Marvel, everybody. I'm a bunch of a-holes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That man is now the tick. <laughs> uh, we should watch the tick or the defenders or something. We let's, should. Let's watch something that everybody else has seen. Yeah, we're then... behind on that. So we'll, we'll get to that. And we'll talk about that at length, too, with as much in-depth analysis as we put here. Yes. We... Possibly more. Although, frankly, I... I would like to pat ourselves on the back. We did some nice, incisive uh, analysis of the deep, seedy underbelly of of the American family today. We are the deep, seedy (laughs) underbelly of the American family. (laughs) And on that note... All right, this has been a strange episode. My God, we we still managed to do an hour and 20 minutes with literally one notebook... uh, Notebook page. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, All right. Anything else, or or should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. All right. uh, Let's see if I can. I have five. 
Asian fusion taco is waiting for me. Yeah, and uh, I finished my third beer, Uh-oh. and I don't have any others down here. Oh, no. So, uh, yes, let's uh, let's stick this pig. Okay, let's see if I can remember how to do it. Don't know where you find this particular uh, fine episode of radio, but uh, you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. It is a good place to send us messages. It is a good place to find out whether or not we're dead when we don't <laughs> do episodes for two or three weeks. Yes. Facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We are on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. Yes. We are on Tumblr, but don't bother with Tumblr. But we are there. <laughs> but for those of you who partake of the Tumblr. Yeah, you can follow us there if you want to. Uh, it is uh, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. Uh, we are on iTunes. If that's how you like to get your podcast, you can certainly subscribe to us there. Uh, you can certainly, uh, if you have a minute, uh, give us a rating, give us a review. It helps new people find the show. I wouldn't base your review based on this episode, but, you know, go back through the backlog. I like this episode. See how it goes. <laughs> uh, where else are we? Google Play. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on TuneIn Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network, I think. We'll see if I can log back into their website <laughs> later on tonight. <laughs> and you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Uh, that is it. This has been episode 159 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. And derp. You just didn't see the episode where Mike, the one-armed man, said, I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire. Tacos.